Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 54. I am your host, Chris Morris. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out. Welcome in. Happy New Year. I'm a little late, but Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Festivus. Whatever whatever holiday you enjoy. Hope you had a great holiday time. You know, I did. Gathered around the television. (laughs) Watching hockey. Right? World Juniors is starting. Watching that. Ugh. I mean, how can you not be entertained with hockey? 2023 is just starting. Uh, but before we get to 2023, let's this podcast is going to be about taking a look back at 2022. That's right. We're going to touch base on some things that happened in 2022. Uh, just because why not, right? The year is up. Whole bunch of things happening. We are just entering the second half of the NHL season, right? Just a couple of days before we hit the midway point. Um so yeah, we're just going to take a look back at 2022, kind of things that stood out for me, things that I enjoy, things that I like, things that maybe you enjoyed as well. Uh, before that, as always, if you're not following the podcast on Twitter, make sure you do that, at Slapshot Podcast. It's on YouTube as well, at Slapshot Pod. Uh, make sure you hit the sub button, ring the bell if you're over there. Thank you very much. At uh, uh, Slapshot Podcast on Twitter, you can find the link tree. You can go ahead and follow it everywhere you get your podcast. It's on Stitcher. It's on Spotify. Uh, it's on Podbean, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's it's literally everywhere. Uh, so make sure you go ahead and you do that. So let's get right into the 2022. And 2022 is a great, great, great year for hockey. Absolutely busted. I loved it. Um, and it definitely all started, for me at least, uh, with the Colorado Avalanche and their Stanley Cup wrong. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche, of course, right? Uh, what they were able to accomplish in that playoff run was phenomenal. Like I've I've watched a lot of playoff hockey, of course, but Colorado was just on a different level, mainly in that series against Edmonton, because Connor McDavid had basically torched Edmonton the round before. Leon Dreisaitl was skating on one leg, but he was still dominating play. And Colorado came in and just shut them down. The work that Kale McCarr did, Devon Taves, the rest of that defensive group, they really demonstrated that a good team game will win hockey games. Because let's be honest, Darcy Kepper was not good in that playoff run. He was not. I think he finished with a sub-900 save percentage. And for the longest time, We've been under the belief that you need an elite goalie to win in the playoffs, right? To secure a Stanley Cup. And Colorado just basically blew that myth out. They were good up front, right? Valerie Natushkin played well. Obviously, the addition of a Tori Lekkinen helped them a lot. Uh, Landis Cog, McKinnon, Rantanen, Valerie Natushkin was good. Like, they had a really good team. But it's the way that they played that just suffocated their opponents. Especially, again, in the round against Tampa Bay. Right, like Tampa Bay's two-time back-to-back Stanley Cup winners. They you would think they'd be able to, you know, they've been here, they've done that kind of thing. And Colorado just looked like the better team all around from start to finish. They barely lost any games. It's it was honestly a wonderful playoff run to watch, especially with how fans were just getting behind it and everything. I loved it. So that to me in 2022 was one of uh, the memories that I definitely enjoy from a team perspective, of course, right? 
I I enjoy that quite a bit. I also enjoy 2022. I don't I know this is going to go over a little bit to 2023, but I mean we'll make an exception here, um, and that's for Connor Bedard. This kid is just. He's just built different. He's living on a different planet. Like, he's playing chess, and the rest of the hockey world is playing checkers. Um, here's the part. So, obviously, right, the, it's kind of wild to record this the day after he completely takes over the game against Slovakia and helps send Canada to the semifinals. But, like, a lot of the hype around Connor Bedard has been there, and he just continues to excel and get better. 2022 was pretty good at the World Juniors, right, where he won that gold, right? Canada played over the summer. He had eight points in seven games. Pretty good, right? It's a 17-year-old. That's what you expect from him. This is a, like, everybody knows the World Juniors is like a 19, 20-year-old tournament. You know what I mean? Like, it, it these... These young kids, 17 and 18, it's really, really hard for them to do well in these in, in these tournaments. And Connor Bedard has just taken over, right? So far in this World Juniors, right? It technically, it started in 2022, so we'll give it a pass here. He's played five games. He has 21 points, eight goals, 13 assists. He had 10 shots against Slovakia. Five of them came in the overtime period. There's nothing Connor Bedard can't do. He is electric with the puck. Right, he can deke you out. He's got a wicked shot, and his vision around the ice is just—it's second to none. He put up a hundred points, right, in the WHL with, with Regina in 2022, right, 2021, 2022 season, 51 goals, 49 assists. Uh, he's already up to 64 in 28 games this year. He probably is the next like Connor McDavid, and I don't—I didn't even think it was possible to find a player that's better than Connor McDavid. And I think Bedard could be it from a skill-wise. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, McDavid is quick. He's fast. He's great with the puck and everything. And he's added a shot to his repertoire now, and he's scoring goals and everything. But watching Connor Bedard play is just out of this world. I don't think you can compare both of them. Uh, with the exception of them both being named Connor. So if you want your kid to be good at hockey, just name him Connor. Uh, that should solve the problem. Whatever's in the gene pool of naming your kid Connor seems to be pretty good. Um, no, but he's just so electric. I love watching him. He just takes the team on his back against, like, shout out to Slovakia. Like, they still, they played a good game. They got dominated, but... They fought back. They played the way they needed to. They kept it close. They had their chances. Canada did as well. And hey, I'm excited to see Connor Bedard in the NHL and see what he can do, right? Like we've had a couple of first overall picks like show up in the NHL. They haven't really taken over their first year. You know what I mean? In the same way that McDavid and like Crosby and Ovechkin have. They came into the league and they just kind of tore it up a little bit. Like some of the picks over the last couple of years haven't really done that, right? Which is fine, right? Every player, it's not because you go first overall in the NHL that you're going to become this absolute studded superstar and take over the league in your first year, right? Like you can build up to it. Like it took Jack Hughes, you know, Nico Heischer a couple of years, but now look at them. Excellent one-two punch for New Jersey. So I am excited to see Connor Bedard. I have no idea where he's going to end up. I guess it's going to be like Anaheim or Arizona. So, 
he's going to enjoy the desert or the beach, one or the other. But man, is Connor Connor Bedard fun to watch? I can't wait to watch him in an NHL jersey and see what he can do. Again, he is seventeen, right? He now has the most points of any Canadian player uh, at the World Juniors, right? He's also passed Jordan Eberle for the most goals, and yeah. Credit to him. He is a good player. Uh, I love it. Speaking of good players, now that we've moved on from Conor Bedard, something that stood out to me in 2022, Cole Caulfield. (laughs) You didn't think I wasn't going to talk about Cole. Specifically, just how everything started for him versus how it went. Like, the year before that, right, he played at Wisconsin. He was really good. We knew that. He went to Laval. Uh, He played two games that year, and then they basically called him up. They're like, yeah, you're fine. You come here. Finished off the last 10 games, scored four goals, and you knew he was going to be good. He was great in that playoff run as well for Montreal. They came up just short. Um, And then last year, obviously, we know what happened. The Montreal Canadiens sucked, but... He specifically struggled under Dominic Ducharme. Now, all of every Canadian's player struggled with Dominic Ducharme. So that is what it is. But we knew that Cole Caulfield could do one thing and one thing exceptionally well, and that is shoot the puck. This kid is elite. He's got, I know a lot of people talk about having an NHL shot. This kid's got it. He's 22, by the way. He has got a release like no other. When he's on the power play, he gives me Ovechkin vibes as he sets up. He's a right-handed shot, right? So he sets up on that left side and just how it serves them to the net. We've seen him do this multiple times. Montreal's power play is dog water. And if it wasn't for Caulfield, it would probably be worse. Caulfield and Suzuki. I'll give Suzuki a plug here because we can't forget him. Those two play together and they are super fun to watch. I love it. But just the turnaround for Caulfield when Marty St. Louis took over, it's like he became a whole new player. Whole new player. He's already up to 21 goals this season in 37 games. That puts him on pace for about 40, which is electric. For a 22-year-old, not bad, right? And a lot of that credit, obviously... Cole Caulfield knows what he's doing, but a lot of that credit goes to Marty St. Louis. This is a rebuilding team, right? The Montreal Canadiens are a rebuilding team. They had a little bit of success. They flirted with the playoff a little bit, playoff spot and whatnot. But let's be honest, the last couple of games, they've absolutely stunk. They are a rebuilding team. They got, what, four or five rookie defensemen? It, it's going to, like, it's a long season. So it's you're going to see struggles. And we are witnessing that now. But... Man, is Cole Caulfield fun to watch. I'm so happy I got to I get to watch him even before his prime, right? Like he's not even there yet. And he is going to be a great player for many years to come in this Montreal organization. I just can't I just can't wait to see what more he can contribute. <laughs> it would be fun if Montreal could find a third player to play with Caulfield and Suzuki. Uh and that player not be named Yoel Arbia, but it's a rebuilding year. And if you finish last, uh, Connor Bedard 
who is, again, naturally a centerman. He's playing the wing for Canada. Uh, so that's good. You could play him at center. You imagine like Suzuki and Badar down the middle. Holy. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm going to dream in color. Sue me. Okay. So yeah, Cole Caulfield and Marty St. Louis. That's a, a dream there. Also, right, we talked about how bad the Montreal Canadiens were. Well, being bad means that sometimes you get rewarded. Uh, they were rewarded with the first overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft, and they selected from Slovakia, Uri Slavkovsky. Now, there was a lot of debate behind who they should pick there, right? Shane Ray, Logan Cooley. And I, I mean, I was on the team Shane Wright for a little bit of time. And then when they drafted Slavkovsky, I wasn't necessarily disappointed. Like, he's a big boy, 6'3", 238 pounds. That's a big man. That's a man in a, like, that's a boy in a man's body. He was really good at the Olympics for Slovakia in seven games and seven goals. And even if, he he's only got 10 points this season, okay? So, and he's still trying to find his game. And that's fine. He's 18 playing in the NHL. Obviously, watching him play, you can tell that he's still trying to adapt to North American hockey because it is quicker than playing in Europe. There's a couple of times where he gets caught, maybe not moving the puck as quick, or he's trying to get there and it doesn't happen. He's taken a number of hits, right, where he's just kind of, not that he has his head down, sometimes he does, but he's just unaware or that the game is moving a little bit fast. And it's normal that he's going to need time to adapt. A lot of people were talking about should they have sent him to the World Juniors like they did Shane Wright. And for Shane Wright, it's a completely different story. I mean, he's drafted by Seattle. He's a healthy scratch more than he plays. And when he does play, he plays like five to six minutes. So might as well. Like he had to go on a conditioning stint in the AHL because he sat out X amount of games. Like he hasn't burnt his first year of his entry-level contract yet, Shane Wright. And we are into 2023. So he... Goes down to the AHL, and you know, he scored a goal there. He's gone to the World Juniors. He's played well, and it is what it is. But to me, Uri Slavkovsky is going to get there, but it's probably going to be a little bit of growing for him as well. And he's, first of all, I'd like to see him play with some skilled players. He's going to fill out and understand how to use his frame because it's hard to be that big. His foot speed is not, obviously, he's not the fastest player on the ice, which is fine. He doesn't have to be. You want to think of him more of a power forward, a kid who can skate well, protect the puck. He's got a good shot. He just doesn't use it. I'd like to see him shoot the puck more. He's learning. He's going to grow. I mentioned two players uh, earlier that have taken some time to develop, right? Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. If you look at what's going on with the New York Rangers with Alexi Lafreniere. He was scratched recently and that set the internet a frenzy because everybody's like, well, you know, they scratched him one game. Maybe we should trade for him. And you're like, okay, hold on. But I I like the pick now of Uri Slavkovsky. Not that I hated it before, but I think he's got the best chance of being an elite player in the NHL and it might take him a couple of years to get there. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Again, I would like to see him play with some talented players. I don't want to see him playing on like a checking line or whatnot. 
when I see him on the fourth line, it just like it sucks my soul out. Because when you're on the fourth line, you're not going to get much. Yes, you're not playing the opposition's best players, but I in a year where you're rebuilding, okay, give the kids some matchups that are going to be a little bit tougher. Say, hey, how do you do against some of the best players in the NHL? And then you go back, you you know, you watch some video. You say, hey, this is how you did. This is things that we can correct and so on and so forth. Give him a challenge every once in a while. We're talking about Suzuki and Caulfield. Put Slavkowski up there and say, hey, now you have no excuse. He's a big boy, so you tell him. when In the corners, you got to win those puck battles. Your job is to get the puck. Suzuki's got, I mean, his vision is just out of this world, and we know that Caulfield can fire the puck. So this is a good spot for Slavkowski. Big body, goes to the corners, retrieves the puck, gets to the front of the net, scores some dirty ones, do what you need to do. Instead, I see him skating with Armia. He skates with Dvorak, who I don't enjoy. Uh, Gallagher's back, nothing wrong with Gallagher, but like Dvorak, Gallagher, and Slavkowski, those guys are out there to make sure that uh, the opposing team doesn't score goals. They're not in an offensive, productive role. I want to see Slavkowski on the top power play unit. Give him a chance. Give him a chance instead of putting Jonathan Drouet in there. Drouet has zero goals this year, so maybe change up the power play. Mike Hoffman has done what he has to do, but I'd much rather see Slavkowski there to build that confidence, get better. Absolutely just steamroll opposing teams he's a big body and he's going again he's going to need some time to just fill out and get to where he needs to be but i don't think it was it it would have been a better idea to send him to the world juniors you're not playing with players of your age like well you're playing with players of your age uh, and skill level sure but he can learn a lot more from being in the nhl and as long as you give him the opportunity to grow and everybody in Montreal stays real patient with him, he's going to be just fine. He's going to be just fine. You want to see a progression every year. That's what you want to see. And don't forget, in Europe, they don't play a ton of hockey either. So like he played 31 games uh, for TPS Turku. 31. He's up to 32 now. So this is a grind for the kid. and Maybe he's going to... Maybe Marty St. Louis is going to sit him in the stands or something down the stretch, which is fine. Hey, take a breather, man. It's a long year. Your body's still getting accustomed to playing against men, big men, big, strong, powerful men. He's going to get there. He, he just needs a little bit more seasoning, and I don't think it's in the AHL for him. I really don't. I think there's, on a team this bad, there's a spot for him, so... Live with the growing pains, live with the stuff that has to be done and whatnot, but give him a chance to grow. Please. 2022, that was one here. And finally, for 2022, something that really stood out to me, which has stood out to everybody, of course, is the man of the hour, Alexander Ovechkin. And... It's kind of fitting that we talk about Alex Ovechkin. He is now up to, as of today, he's up to 806 goals in his NHL career. He has surpassed uh, 
how he is he is chasing uh, Wayne Gretzky, and I love I love how good Alex Ovechkin is at this point in his career because we keep I know for me we keep asking when is Alex Ovechkin going to slow down. Because Father Time, again, is undefeated. He's going to win. But some people thought three years ago that Alex Ovechkin was going to slow down. And he hasn't. Like, he, he surpassed Yarmir Yager for, for, like, third place. But, he, I mean, Yager played 1,700 games, right? He played well late, right, into his mid-40s. And he passed Gordie Howe. And we know Gordie Howe played... For until forever, and obviously Ovechkin has the goals. He doesn't have the assists, right? He's not. He is nowhere near the point totals of Yager and How. And I mean, nobody's going to ever catch Gretzky, right? But to me, Alexander Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer, pure goal scorer in NHL history. And regardless of whether he passes Wayne Gretzky or not. I think he's still the best goal scorer just because of what he has been able to accomplish in this era of hockey. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from Wayne Gretzky is the best overall player to ever play hockey. Let's not get that wrong, right? Gretzky's got 1,900 plus assists. Gretzky played as well in an era where, I mean, scoring goals was it. Yes, you had to deal with slashing and this and that and hooking and holding. Sure. but. In today's modern NHL, I mean, he has to deal with goalies who are bigger. Like, like size-wise, he had to deal with guys like Andre Vasilevsky, you know what I mean? And then Andre Vasilevsky's equipment is huge, right? So it takes up even more net. Teams are a lot more structured now in how they play. Goalies have structure as well. Everything about hockey today is harder to play. Yes, there are rules that are set up to help make goal scoring easier, per se, right? You have less hooking, right? They took out the two-lied pass. Remember the two-lied pass? That existed once upon a time. It doesn't exist anymore. Thank God. But Alex Ovechkin has defied all the odds. In terms of goal scoring per game, at his point in his age, he's scoring more goals per game than how and Gretzky did when they were at this point. He is on a whole other level. He's already up to just this season. He's up to 26 goals in 39 games. That puts him on pace for another 50-goal season. Alex Ovechkin has nine 50-goal seasons. He makes 50 goals in a season look average. And that is really hard to do. In his prime, I don't think there was a player better than him. Not one. In 2008, here's, here's a stat for you, okay? 2008-2009, this is his fourth year of the NHL. Not bad, eh? In 79 games, he didn't play 82. He had 110 points, which is pretty good. Second highest, uh, second highest total of his career. Highest total kid the year before, at 100, he had 112. But he also played a full 82, so blah, 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 blah. But in that year, 2008-2009, he finished with 500 and 28 shots on goal, okay? 
I'm going to put that to you in perspective today. Okay, David Posternak currently leads the NHL in shots on goal. He's got like 183 as of today. So he's played 37 games, got 183 shots. That puts him on pace for 405, which would be something. I don't think many players have taken 400 or more shots recently in the NHL. I'd, I'd have to go back and see what it was. Um, last year, 1,001, 1,000, right? 1,001, 1,002. Uh, Austin Matthews had 348. By the way, guess who finished second? Yeah, Alex Ovechkin. So shots are a little bit on an up, you know, going up here this season, which is fine. I love it. Timo Meyer is second, right? He's on pace for 374. He's got 178. Alex Ovechkin is third. Currently, he has 169 shots, puts him on pace for 355. 355 shots, which is elite. That would be more than he had last season. That would tie him with the most shots he's had since 2017, 2018. And he's 37 years old. (laughs) And Ovechkin, credit to him, he's been able to play a lot of hockey. He hasn't missed a ton of games. He's been, I wouldn't even say he's lucky that he's played 75 plus games every season. He's missed a couple of games due to, you know, suspension, not going to the all-star game or whatnot. But he's been relatively healthy in his career. And that too is pretty good. He is a big body. Ovechkin, what I love about him too He plays hard. Sure, his back checking has been criticized at times, but he throws his weight around. He's got 101 hits on the year. 101. Now, the leader this year is Luke Shedd with 166. But some of the guys here on this list, I mean, Nick DeLaurier, 157. Garrett Hathaway, 135. Tanner Janot, 134. These are not guys who are elite by any means. Not, I'm not taking anything away from them. Like they're NH, you know, they're NHL players, I guess. Then you got Jacob Trua, Radko Gudis, Arbor Jack. Guys are defensemen. Guys, with the exception, I guess, of maybe Truba. Who again, you know, it is what it is. But these are not elite players. I'm sorry. I'm not, you know, it, it is what it is. And then Alexander Ovechkin. The next closest to him, right, 98 hits, is Brady Kachuk. And Brady Kachuk is not the same goal scorer that Ovechkin is, obviously. But Ovechkin takes a million shots on net, and he throws his weight around. So you would think a player whose body gets beat up a little bit like that from throwing hits and whatnot that he would miss time due to just injuries. And he doesn't. He has stayed healthy. That is a credit to him for taking care of his body. He, he must be in excellent shape. I don't doubt it. But he plays heavy. And he has been this good for this long. Even this year, he's scoring goals. People, I'm gonna, I know somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, but he's played with Nick Backstrom most of his career. Yeah, okay. Backstrom's not here this season. He's got, it, it, he's playing most of his time with Dylan Strome this year. Okay. Not even with Evgeny Kuznetsov. He's playing with Dylan Strome, and he's, he's still scoring goals. It doesn't matter for Ovechkin. That's, that's what I think is so great. It doesn't matter. He's so good. We know he can score power play goals. He's got 293 in his career. 
We know that. And again, same thing. You know Ovi's setting up in his office. Gretzky's office was behind the net. Ovi's on the power play is on the left side. You know it. And yet, despite knowing it, how many goals have we seen him score from there? He just whips it at the net. NHL release. Talked about it with Cole Caulfield. I think Alexander Ovechkin has one of the best NHL releases ever. You could have the debate on who's better between Crosby and Ovechkin and whatnot. Crosby, I think, is a better overall player. Crosby makes the players around him better. I don't think Alexander Ovechkin necessarily does that. But in terms of pure goal scoring, again, whether he passes Gretzky's record to me is irrelevant because Alexander Ovechkin has already proven that he is the greatest goal scorer to ever play hockey. Goal scorer, pure goal scorer. It's Alexander Ovechkin. I hope he scores over 894 goals. I do. I hope he scores 900. Just, just because, right? Like, why not? That's what I want to see. I want to see greatness. I also want to make sure that I watch Alex. I've never seen Alexander Ovechkin play in person. Fun fact. And I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like I should have done this already. Because this will be one of those things, as your parents used to do, oh, I, I, you know, I grew up watching Gretzky and Lemieux and Howe and Bobby Orr. Like, I'll be able to tell that to my kids. Hey, I grew up watching Alexander Ovechkin and Connor McDavid <laughs> or Sidney Crosby. You know, Alexander Ovechkin is a generational talent, a goal scorer unlike anything the world has ever seen. He's a big boy. He dominates his... He dominates everything. He's 238 pounds, by the way. Fun fact, he's 6'3", 238. Okay? Uri Slavkovsky is the same. So, I'm not, again, not comparing two players. I'm just saying, Alexander Ovechkin is a big boy. He uses his size. He knows what to do. He's a good skater, right? Ovechkin is not the quickest skater anymore. We know that. He's never the fastest. But, man... There is no question when he comes down that, that right side or that left side or wherever he wants to go, like he's taking a shot. He's going to score goals. He's shooting 15% this year, by the way. His career average is 12. He has taken 6,230 shots in his NHL career. No player has more than him. He is a pure shooting machine. He doesn't stop shooting. I love it. If you want to be a goal scorer, kids, just do what Ovi does. Shoot the puck. A million times, keep shooting it. Shoot, 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 shoot. In his last five games, by the way, right, he's got six goals. Classic Ovi, right? Classic. Six goals, by the way, three assists. Nine points in five games. He's played over... Uh, 20 minutes in three of those games. It's averaging 20-ish. He's, he's, he's good. <laughs> he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. No question about that. Nobody's asking. Nobody's sitting there going, oh, is, is Alex Ovechkin a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah. Yeah. And to me, the greatest goal scorer to ever play hockey. Period. He's not the best overall player to ever play, right? Again, what Gretzky was able to accomplish is, is remarkable. But in terms of goals and goal scoring, 
he is just he's in a league of his own right now to score 500 goals in the nhl is something to score 600 is definitely an accomplishment a select few get to 700 and now only three have made it to 800 plus and alexander ovechkin can stand as the greatest of all time when it comes to goal scoring and be the only player to ever hit 900 goals. Think about it. 900. Imagine if he hits 900 in the modern NHL. How many goals do you think he would have scored in like 1987? Again, it's hard to compare eras because everything is so different. Especially for Ovechkin. But I, I've enjoyed watching him. Obviously, over the course of his career score goals. I've enjoyed watching him over the last year do it. And watching him chase the milestone because he is, like I said, to me, he's the greatest goal scorer to ever touch ice, regardless of whether he gets past Gretzky or not. Like if he, you know, knock on wood, breaks his leg tomorrow, can't play hockey, even at 806, he's the greatest goal scorer in my mind. So shout out to Ovi. He's he's aging, right? He's got a lot of that white hair now and whatnot, but father time is is not there yet. Not there yet. Ovi is still proving the world that he can, you know, with all these great players now scoring goals, Jason Robertson and McDavid and Matthews and whatnot, Alexander Ovechkin reminding the world that he is still the greatest goal scorer to ever touch ice. So those are some of the highlights for me of 2022. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the podcast for today. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me and coming here. 2022 is a great year for the podcast. Uh, it's all because of you guys, of course. We hit 5,000 downloads on uh, Podbean, which is absolutely wild because it doesn't keep track of like Apple uh, podcasts, doesn't take into account uh, stats from Spotify. So just absolutely mind boggling uh, numbers. It's, it's, like for me to take a moment to reflect back on the year, like it was a tough 2022, not going to lie, but I mean, I still, it's still kind of wild that so many people listen to the podcast and stuff. It's, it's, it's truly remarkable. So I appreciate each and every one of you, uh, regardless of where you're listening from, if you're on Spotify, if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, if you're listening to this on the YouTube, I, I, I appreciate that too because I know YouTube is a, place to watch videos right and you're listening to the podcast on youtube so uh, i appreciate that as well i'm I'm excited to see what 2023 is going to bring me for the podcast as well uh excited to take it to new heights and whatever is capable but for the bottom of my heart i appreciate all of you for listening and reaching out and so many of you i know my consistency with how many episodes i do with the podcast is not the same I mean, I did fewer podcast episodes this year than I did last year, yet the interaction and engagement and downloads and everything was more this year than any other year. So that's just a testament to how how much you guys love to listen to my voice. <laughs> that's, uh, that's it. But thank you to everybody who shares the podcast, with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, whoever. I appreciate that. Um, if you feel inclined, make sure you continue to do so. Um, if you're not already, like I said, subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you go ahead and do so. You can literally find it anywhere. 
at Slapshot Podcast on Twitter if you want to follow it directly. The link tree is there. You can click on it and you can find the podcast everywhere you enjoy podcasts. It's I it's it's everywhere. Like I said, Podbean just is the host platform, but it sends it to a whole bunch of places. I don't even know where sometimes. But again, thank you to all of you for listening. I appreciate it. May your 2023 be off to a great start. I wish you all health, happiness, and whatever else you desire for the year. I love you. And we will talk to each other again soon.